In the great hall of the Justice League, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends of the universe. Superman. Wonder Woman. Batman. Aquaman. And those three junior super friends, Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Their mission, to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of For All Mankind, a Super Friends podcast. For All Mankind is a read-through show covering DC Comics' classic Super Friends series, which ran for 47 issues from 1976 to 1981. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. And joining me this episode is my super friend, Henry Bernstein. Hi, Henry. You know, it's funny, Rob. I don't remember any Dylan songs called Super Friends. Oh, wait, wrong show. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't change my avatar on Zoom. Yes, this is, we're doing For All Mankind this time, Henry. This oh, is your, well, this is your third show of mine that you've appeared on. So you're on your way to a Robbie at this point. I, is it is it my third or my fourth? I did. What's the fourth? I, okay, so I Treasury Cast. So Treasury Cast, Superman Movie Minute, this one, and Dylan. Okay, so I'm not counting Superman Movie Minute because I'm only doing my solo shows. That's, oh, that's the only once Chris thing. gets involved, it's not it doesn't count. I, well, I don't like to. <laughs> I don't like to include other co-hosts okay. in my craziness. So. You know, okay. I'm leaving. I'm just late. It's just me. It's just me. So, yeah. So, it's three slash four ish. Four ish. Yeah. yeah. You have 3.5 kind of thing. But we'll, we'll, we'll got to get you on. Let's see what else I got to. Well, we'll get Mountain Comics. You're scheduled for uh, a right. Mountain Comics, uh, may, may, next year. We'll right. do that show. So, Yvette, you got four right there. So, you're on your way, Henry. You're All right. I'm almost going to get my jacket. <laughs> that's right i got my pod dylan jacket already so uh, yes I thank you by <laughs> the way you got two of those maybe <laughs> thank you thank you very much um so yes we're here to talk about super friends number 34 it was on sale of april 24th 1980 but henry since this is your first appearance on the show i need to find out what your history is with this series i'm guessing you don't have much of one because it was already canceled by the time you were ever even born right that's true. That's true. So, you know, it's funny when we talk Dylan, we sort of compare, you know, decades of, of, uh, learning about, about that. <clears throat> this is a similar thing for me. The Super Friends as an institution, as a cartoon, comic series, whatever, was not a thing for me as a kid. Like Batman, the animated series, Superman, the animated series. And that was already, I was an adolescent. I was kind of growing out of it at that point. But like as a little kid, I didn't have, uh, a super cartoon show. I knew about it sort of, it was sort of apocryphal to me. I knew that there was the super friend show. My brothers had told me about it, but we were, we were often at synagogue on Saturday morning. So <laughs> we didn't, we didn't watch Saturday morning. Cartoons weren't a thing. We did more like Sunday morning Lone Ranger and George Reeves adventures of Superman on WGN kind of family. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, so, but I knew it existed. And then like, as I got older, or then I would see it maybe like somewhere, you know, once. And then as I got older in like college, you know, saw it on like Cartoon Network at two in the morning or something like that. And then like the DVD came out of like all of them and 
you know, 2001, 2002, when DVDs started being a thing. And so, of course, I bought it. It's Superman. It's the, basically the Justice League. And I got to say, I, I, it was not for me. Like, it was, <laughs> I was, I definitely aged out of it. I was like, this is boring. Like, this is stupid. Who, you know, like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, you know how much I loved Superman and the Justice League. It was just, I was, it was exciting seeing all these bright colors and characters on screen, but. I realized, okay, this isn't for me. So in terms of the comics, I knew the series existed just as a sort of self-proclaimed comic historian and lover of Superman and, and Justice League. I, I, and I know someone wrote to you about this in the last, in the last episode. I, I knew more about the superpowers comics mm-hmm. yes. um, because I'm a collector of those toys and it you was quite the collection i've seen the thank photos. you, nice <laughs> thank, you. thank you um I, I was as a little kid and and you know now still um but super friends i don't know i just i, I probably picked up this issue here and there over the years and maybe I, if i found it in a 25 cent bin i'd for sure pull it but i would say the super friends as a thing was not, never my favorite version of superman and the, and the justice league well, let's see. That's what I was curious about because I know that you are a mega Superman fan. We've talked about it on Treasury Cast, uh, and you have your own show about Superman. And that I always wondered how much of your Superman comic book reading sloshed over to Super Friends, if it had at all, because of course he's in every single issue. So I was always sort of curious about whether you had read this book at all, whether this was the first one you had ever read by for the you know research for this episode. If there was a, tr- a trade paperback with the whole series, I'd, I'd get it. Because okay. just for collecting purposes, and because like you said, Superman would be on the cover, and is there are some it, trades? There are it, some trades. Is there? Are, yeah, are there really? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not. It's not a complete series. It's not like oh. all forty-seven, but oh. there is like a collect. There's two different collections. I think it's called like Saturday morning cartoons or Saturday morning mm-hmm. something like that. So, and it, and I think it cherry picks mm-hmm. some of the issues. So, if they do like an omnibus, I'll get it. There you go. Okay. Well, that would be a big book, but, but yes, I would, yeah. I'd pick that up too. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. All right. Fair enough. Like I said, I always like to get a baseline of where people are, are coming, uh, coming at it, uh, this book. So as I mentioned, this is issue number 34, the store, there's two stories actually in this issue. There is a super friend story and then there's a solo wonder twin story. The super friend story is called the creature that slept a million years. It's by, of course, E. Nelson Bridwell, Ramona Fryden. And Vince Coletta. But before I get to the plot synopsis, I uh, ask, uh, I want to ask you, Henry, what do you think of this cover by Ramona Fraden and Bob Smith? Well, I, I'll tell you, on one of my podcasts where we talk comics, I uh, my co-host always kicks it over to me to talk about the cover because um, uh, I have a degree in in studio art and illustration, and um, and you know, you and I have talked about that before too. Um, in terms of like um, visual hierarchy and um, composition, it's great. It has the Trinity on it, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. It has, um, a you know, the, the mysterious creature is on it. And they're all kind of doing their super things. Mm-hmm. So you know who they are and what they do. Batman's swinging and kicking with a rope. Wonder Woman's trying to tie it up with the lasso. And Superman's being super and trying <laughs> to grab it, <laughs> um, I guess. And... And, you know, and Superman is, there's some, you know, perspective thing happening. I always liked Superman flying at the screen. It's always, is a, is a thing I like. So it's not bad. I, it's good. It's not memorable, I would say. You know, it, it, you know, they're not all standing in a row posing mm. or anything like that. It's, it's a nice 80s comic telling you what's going to be in it. It's nice that actually 
this kind of does appear in the comic. You know, comics in those days, you know, the cover famously never had anything yeah. that was yeah. had to do with the actual story. So it's nice that it does. It, it's good. I would, had I been in a grocery store and saw this on a spinner rack, I would have been tugging at my mom's skirt to to buy it for sure. <laughs> it it definitely, you know, compared to some of the other covers, like number 32, where they were, all the super friends are cowering from the scarecrow. It's certainly not the most exciting story you're ever going to read just from the cover cop. You know, what is it? Animal, vegetable or mineral? And why does it pose a threat to the super friends? And you're like, oh, okay. Like, it's not a super villain. It's not. It's you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't. You're like, okay, this is probably a problem, but it doesn't. It's not as like sort of gut level, like, oh, yeah. my God, as exciting as some of the other ones. Um, I will say, you know, we I know every single month I, I wax from Mona Freyden's car because I'm such a fan of hers. I love it when her style gets reduced down even further. I mean, she kept things very simple, very, very much an economy of, of, of line here. But I love it sometimes where she will get so cartoony that I think her stuff starts to look like Wally Wood. Mm. which is entirely a compliment because it's Bollywood. That Wonder Woman shot where she's uh, yeah, yelling, her face it is looks goofy. like Wonder, it looks like yeah. Wally Wood. It looks like if yeah. Wally Wood had drawn a Mad Magazine parody of Wonder Woman, that's what it would look like. And I just love seeing that on like an, an actual DC comic. And that's a wonderful um, um, comparison because of the connection with E. Nelson Bridwell with, with Mad Magazine. So, you know, that, that he was, you know, he was a Mad Magazine person. So it, it, that I, I like that a lot. Yeah, I think it's a terrific idea. I love Batman. That shot of Batman, he looks really great. Um, I don't know, you know, purple. I don't know if purple is maybe the color to go for the background. Might I, yeah, I would have gone just white. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. But otherwise, otherwise it's, it's, you know, it's perfectly fine. I always am a little chagrined when Aquaman isn't on the cover, but you can't you can't have everything. So, uh, okay. So let's get to this first story. Um, it's, it starts uh, at uh, while Batman is on monitor duty, the JLA satellite. He sees an unidentified spaceship heading towards Earth. He puts out a signal to see which member of the JLA can investigate, and Superman says he can check it out. Using his X-ray vision, Superman sees inside the ship as a strange creature seemingly asleep. The Man of Steel guides the ship to Earth inside a small cavern where the rest of the Super Friends are waiting for him. The creature awakens and immediately acts like a dog, licking Robin's face. Superman then notices a microscopic inscription on the inside of the ship written in the language of the long-destroyed planet Oram. Superman takes the creature to his fortress of solitude and begins to care for it. Later, Wonder Woman is apprehending a thief by grabbing him with her magic lasso. But just as she does, the very creature we just saw suddenly appears. She grabs the thief, only to watch the creature then teleport away. The creature suddenly appears once again, this time in the middle of the ocean during a boat race that Aquaman is monitoring. The sudden appearance causes a tidal wave, upending the boats and dropping people into the water. It then teleports away again. After it teleports a third time near Superman, the Super Friends determine that the creature is probably just lonely. Xan and Jaina transform, and Jaina turns into a duplicate of the alien creature. Momentarily happy, Superman carts the creature back to the Fortress of Solitude and puts it into his zoo uh, and, uh, and a cage made of mirrors on three sides. With the creature now thinking it is not alone, it is happy and content. The Wonder Twins ask Superman for a tour of his zoo. So, okay, uh, this story is only nine pages, ten pages, so uh, there's a lot to get to kind of in a very short period of time. But overall, Henry, what did you think of this story? 
It was nice. It was cute. It made me smile because I like these characters and like seeing them. It didn't, um, I didn't feel any apprehension or tension. And I'm actually relieved of that. I, you know, read so many comics where like the world is ending. We have to destroy it. It was actually a relief to see the super friends just kind of help a, a wayward creature. It was just kind of <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, it was it was fine. It was it was perfectly fine. I feel like you're. I feel like you want to say more, but you well, don't. Want to I, I have. Too, I mean, uh, I have notes on like. I have show. notes on pages. There okay. are things. Right. You know, I don't. I don't want to jump on your toes. Gotcha. If you want to go okay. beat by beat, but I think it, what I'm trying to say is, like, with the cover is not the greatest cover. It's not the greatest superhero story in the world. It's certainly not the worst. I mean, this is. These nine pages were way better than Identity Crisis. That's right, shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> what a comp! What a what a knock! Sorry, uh, Brad Meltzer. I yeah. respect your writing, but yeah, cool. you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would rather read stories like this than Identity yeah. Crisis. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, well, you know, it made me feel yeah. good. It didn't make me feel depressed. Like you know, which it it it, it I I was reading it and kind of smirking a little bit the whole time, even if I was laughing at it here and there. You know, I I was smiling the whole time. It's incredibly low stakes. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, again, for a nice, it's a change of pace sometimes. You know, you just want to change it up a little, especially when, as I mentioned, this has a second story, a Wonder Twin solo story. So E. Nelson Bridwell has even less room than he normally has. And try and, you know, tell a story in nine pages featuring seven main heroes plus some sort of antagonist. I mean, that's that really sort of separates the men from the boys, as it were. Um, so, yeah, beat by beat where yeah, we can go through it. The splash page. Um, something I noticed just again, just on, on the art front, the title of the story, the creature that slept a million years. Now, uh, you'll see this page on the gallery, uh, the gallery post on the website, finewaterpodcast.com. But you've got below Batman, below the splash page, you've got this, uh, logo when it says the creature that slept a million years. And someone, I don't know if that was the letterer, Todd Klein or the colorist, Jerry Serpe or combination of the two for some reason decided to put a bullseye in the middle of the word million and then have the bullseye fan out across all the letters and then color it in alternating waves of red and orange. And in a time before computers, that must have taken forever. Right, right. And to get it, yeah. What a a tiny little detail to throw in when hardly anybody's probably going to notice it but I just thought, man, yeah. like somebody sat there and like labored on this for at least a little while for just for no real effect other than it just kind of looks nice. And it's like that by right. itself, that's impressive. It's really cool. I mean, it, and it doesn't even, you know, it's funny. The effect it had on it to me wasn't like a bullseye. It was more like a vertigo type effect, okay. Okay. you know, like I was like, and, and when I was looking at it, I was like, are they saying that like when you're in a sleep for a million years, you're sort of traveling through time and space and it's disorienting. Mm. It it was kind of the vibe. It also kind of had like a human target sixties, James Bond opening kind of thing to happening. But, you know, I imagine let's just say letterer Todd Clyde and colorist, Jerry Serpy. Sir. I've always heard Serpe. I don't know if that's correct, but that's whatever. Let's say they collaborated on this, but you, you, I would imagine, you know, on a, sort of you know like either lined or something some sort of paper big paper you know with a protractor doing all the circles to see how long it would and then writing out 
the creature that slept a million years um, on top of it, sort of like Perry White moving around letters on um, <laughs> right. on the on the front page of Super of uh, Daily Planet, right? So right, yeah, right. it's I mean, it's one of the more visually interesting things on the page, and there's some mm-hmm. you know there's some cool stuff out there. Yeah, I said I'm always impressed when artists take the go the extra mile just for yeah. a little detail. I mentioned that Ruin Afraid always likes to do that, and I always think yeah. that's great. Again, it's always you know stark comparison to the inker vince coletta because he's right. always taking yeah. things out yeah. uh but, uh, but it's like it's so funny it's like the, the, it's so nice of the artist to go the extra mile and do one extra thing so that 42 later you know two bald comic book nerds and, <laughs> uh, talking <laughs> on a podcast can comment on it i'm sure that's <laughs> what they thought would happen there like, someday right. <laughs> two nerds are going to be talking about this 40 years from now um so uh, again batman puts out the word to the various members of the Justice League. Now, of course, luckily, uh, for our story purposes, none of the JLAers can do it. Hawkman, Green Lantern don't answer. Uh, I love, I love uh, kind of Aquaman. You could count on my aquatic help if Superman brings it to Earth. Just kind of like a little like, eh, eh, Superman does it. I'll, I'll check it out at that point. Like, I thanks for nothing, Aquaman. So, I feel so bad for Aquaman when watching the Super Friends or reading these comics because it's always like, it's so like almost egregious how they create a water situation for him to be in. This is one of the worst I've ever seen. Not worst, but like most ridiculous ones I've ever seen to, to be in the water. He has to judge a water competition. Um, I didn't mean to jump ahead, but I just, I, I was like, come on, like give him something to do. He has super strength. He can talk to, maybe he could, to, maybe this creature has aquatic origins maybe he could try his telepathy like he's you know aquaman is far from one of my favorite heroes with all due respect to you and we've talked about that on other podcasts too but he can do so much more than just dumping <laughs> him in, in water i just judging I a boat race i've got nothing judging, else he's going on freaking superhero he's an original seven of the justice league <laughs> like, like you know this is like some serious i know we're in the bronze age but this is some serious silver age Silliness, but I, I was glad to see at least he wasn't on monitor duty. I love when Batman is on monitor duty. <laughs> what a waste made... of material that is! Like Batman on monitor well, duty. It's so it's kind of a waste of anyone to be on monitor duty. Yep. But I kind of like when Batman is. In fact, I love when Batman is because he's kind of on monitor duty when he's in the Batcave too, working. Like he's sure. he's he's can't do anything. I mean, obviously, you know, you could argue Batman is better than everyone, but. Let's just say, for the purposes of what they do here, Batman's best served looking for stuff for the superpowered guys that he to do that he can't right, do. Right. I'll go one step further. Robin should really be on monitor duty. He's like their intern. So, <laughs> and th- by the way, there's a there's a great series um, uh, from a couple years ago that Brian Michael Bendis created, but it someone else wrote it. I wrote it. I can't remember his name right now. Where the Wonder Twins. It's a Wonder Twins series, and they're interns for the at the Hall of Justice. Oh, Mark Justice Russell, League. yeah, he's Mark been on Russell, the show. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. really? Yes. Oh, nice. I'll have to go back and listen to that. So that's a, that's a great series. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I love that series. So that was probably the most I ever enjoyed the the Wonder Twins. Mm, but same. I I want to I want to get to that in a minute. Um, but I I just I think Batman is well suited on Monitor Duty, and I love that. Who does he get to take over for him? Black Canary. Black like, Canary. Come on. She could wipe out, 
you know, a whole <laughs> army of people, but she's, I'll get, I'll get Black Canary to cover my shift. Like, <laughs> just call Robin. He's right there. Everyone knows how much I utterly loathe Snapper Carr. I just, I hate that character with, with the white hot intensity of a thousand suns. That said, he really would have been the perfect monitor duty guy. Yeah. If you wanted to keep him in the fold because he's powerless, but he, and he's, he's a, he's, and a he's annoying. And he's annoying and he's a star effer. So give yeah. him, give him the, the benefit of being on the JLA satellite and calling in the real heroes when you need something. But yes. Yeah. Uh, I having, would, I'm with you, man. Yeah. yeah. Having Batman float in space is a little like, uh, okay. And of course, <laughs> right. we see what how if different... the Joker escapes God, yeah. like Arkham while he's up, up there. Like, <laughs> okay. I got to get somebody to cover. I mean, imagine it's like working in a fast food restaurant. I got to get somebody to cover my shift so I can leave, you know, like, oh my God. As so... long as Superman's not on monitor duty. I, I mean, I really don't care that much. I can't believe we spent so much time talking about monitor duty, but it does bother me when Superman's on there. Like he should, if he is not, on the clock 24 seven, then he should be at home with Lois and John. I don't want to see him on monitor duty ever. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Like I said, yeah, there was an issue a little while back where Green Lantern is on monitor duty and you're like, good Lord, what a use, what a waste of his, first of all, his power ring is dying out while he's sitting there. Just is he in costume thumbs. in it? Yep. Yep. Like- yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty plain he can, he can solitaire with his, you know, yeah, oh, that's true. I guess he can just recharge his battery. So, okay. Uh, so they, they, the Superman brings this creature that brings the ship into this cavern and they see that it's this alien inside who has kind of sort of has like legs, like a, a Christmas tree, uh, where he's got <laughs> these sort of four little prongs, but the top of him looks like a sort of combination dog kangaroo and they 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 open up the the ship and he starts licking robin's face and he's got paws like a dog and as drawn by ramona Frey, and he's very cute and so of course they're all like all right well he's not he's not threatening there's nothing wrong superman reads this inscription of this long dead world um he says he's from a planet from uh you know a, a million years ago he says i'm able to translate it because of course he's superman he can do all these things. That was what I saw. I even made a note about that. I said, Oh, Superman just happens to know the language of the planet Oram that hasn't existed for a million years. Yeah. How and exactly? Yeah. How exactly? And he just throws in there. Oh yeah. I remember that from one of my trips to the past, because of course, in that period of time, if you wanted to travel through time, you would just do it. He would fly through these rings that would the time barrier and then just be back in time so i can imagine like he what he's bored one day and he wants to travel to a million years ago in space like what if he can't get back <laughs> <laughs> yeah ian e- e- b always has to cover everything you know he's got to figure something out like how how it happens so uh superman carts the creature back to his fortress of solitude and uh now i this is just a, like a personal thing for me i get just viscerally upset at images of animals in cages for any reason even something as silly as this of this that you know it's superman but there's there's just something about the creature as it's drinking from or eating from a bowl he looks sad he looks sad sad, yeah and and superman standing there on the other side of the bars just makes me a little sad like why why can't he just 
why like why can't he just be in the fortress as opposed to being in a cage in the fort? I know I, I've never been a fan of Superman's like um his zoo. I mean no, when they yeah. when they do it like when they've shown like that there's sort of a habitat for some of these things, it's fine. That's a little but different, right? It's a little different, but when like he's walking down when they've drawn it where he's just walking down the hallway and it's it basically looks like Arkham Asylum, but yes. except it's it's his animals from all yeah. these different planets. I just, I don't like that. I actually, in my real life, um, I actually don't like zoos. Um, no, I don't, and I don't. The only time I go to zoos, like if my kids really specifically, like they think of it and they ask, I'll just, okay, we'll go. But I, I find them very sad. They make me incredibly depressed. Yeah. I, I hate seeing that. So I'm totally with you. I don't like Superman's zoo on the Fortress of Solitude. Right. It's, and it's just something that as times change as a kid, I had no problem with it because right. I didn't think about it. But as I got older, I'm like, Oh, all right. You know, uh, and I get, by the way, I know there are zoos that do a lot of great work and there are zoos that, that work on, you know, right. uh, the re- restoring certain animals because humans have thinned them right. out. You know, I'm not covering all zoos in sort of blanket. I just say personally myself, I don't like to go to them. It just makes right. me uncomfortable. But th- this especially Superman having a, a zoo almost just for his own kind of entertainment. Uh, and when you know how little time he spends in the Fortress of Solitude, you're like, yeah. oh, OK, yeah. I know. It's like, yeah. think about like, you know. 23 year old who gets a dog because they want one but they have a job at an accounting firm all day so they get home you know like they, that dog just sits inside the apartment all day so imagine all of these creatures from all over the world now i think i will give superman the benefit of the doubt that he is from his perspective he he is thinking like a zoo like we are preserving yes this animal and providing a safe place for it otherwise it'll be lost forever and it's the last of its kind whatever blah 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 um which, which like zoos, probably, I think some of them, you know, the nice good ones uh, would think too, but it just doesn't feel good. It just yeah. looking at it doesn't feel good, I think. Right. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Yep, 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 it yep. sounds like for you. Yep. Totally. Um, so then we have uh, Wonder Woman chasing after this thief and then the, the creature appears. Wait, and- by the way, Rob, oh, yes. I just, I'm sorry. I just want to say one to take that one step further. And you might think I'm crazy and maybe the folks out there will think I'm crazy, but in sort of the Aquaman realm i don't even like going to the aquarium because i think the fish look sad wow when you're in the big aquarium and they're just going around and around they're sort of dead they have these dead eyes and i just feel like you know like okay well their brains are you know the size of a fingernail they don't know they're just happy to be in the water and i kind of think like maybe but what about when they hit that glass and then have to go the other way do they like that i don't think Mm. so so I just wanted to put that out there. I don't like animals in some sort of captivity. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) I will say I don't have as much problem with aquariums just because I feel like they're in a habitat. Yeah. They're in there and they're they're safe from predators. Totally. But like. But yeah. Well, I I understand. (laughs) I understand what you're saying. So, okay. So he said Wonder Woman is chasing after this thief. Uh, the, The alien appears and it causes, you know, it shocks Wonder Woman for a moment. And then the thief tries to to get away. And then she manages to catch up with it. And then she turns around. And then the creature disappears just as quickly yeah. as it appears. You're like, okay, well, what is going on? By the way, I got to say, I, I now that Vince Coletta is basically the full-time anchor on this book, I'm not going to spend every issue dumping on him because it's just, it's shooting fit. Like you talk about shooting fish in a barrel. That said, there are panels in the Wonder Woman sequence with no backgrounds, and I guarantee Ramona Freighton's ruined backgrounds. 
uh, that, yeah. that Vince just erased. Like, first of all, look at what they're when she's holding him and she, when she's holding their bank robber and she says, I command you. Like, they're not standing on anything. It's just, mm-hmm. and the, the all of her shadows are just very thick and soppy. It's just, I, I'm with you. He's kind of, he seems to kind of be phoning it in here well, that's uh, kind of what he did unfortunately that was, thing. But, was that yeah, his thing oh yeah yeah yeah. oh yeah. i mean um, it's just like it's just like these thick soppy shadows there's there's no real depth like there's really tremendous composition here and you know like yep. you know like, i never i didn't read brenda star because i was i read different strips more for my age but my mom did mm-hmm. and i always was interested in it because it looked um in comparison to the you know the comic strips i was reading Carfield, whatever. Uh, Rex Morgan, family. MD. Yeah, Family Circus. You know, whatever. That it looked more real and more like a comic book, and so I was always mm-hmm. curious what you what it was what it was, but it was just too grown up. I didn't know what it was going on, so I always appreciated that style. And she certainly brings it here. I mean, I think in these panels towards the bottom, I don't know. Maybe just she and the the uh, the Aikervitz Glitter were not communicating well, but there's a kind of sloppiness to it, and I will say in terms of storytelling here too, I was confused when this happened. Now, maybe I'm supposed to be confused, but I thought the guy like turned into the, yes, the creature. Yes. You it, thought it, it is a little first, or Well, I remembered the story and I remember that that didn't happen, but it's very easy to get confused because of the way it's, it's presented. It looks yeah. like he disappears and the alien is in its place. And that's right. not, that's not what happens. Yeah. And, and so much so that even, like later, it still isn't a hundred percent clear yeah. on the next page. Yeah, I had to like read. I went back. It was a good thing it was only nine pages because I had to go back a couple times <laughs> and make sure I understood what was happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as we all know, again, Vince Coletta got a lot of work because he was fast and, oh, and he okay. could turn a book in in a day in like a weekend, and that's and and you know, again, we've had this debate on a million, not even debate. We've had this conversation on a million shows, and that well, it's the chicken and the egg. It's did Vince only get work that was rush jobs because he rushed or was it that he rushed because he only got rush jobs i mean and, maybe maybe you know. why i don't know him is because like he's not dick giordano he's not no, um no. i mean just like all the comics i read like su- even all the superman comics in the 70s and 80s that i've read over time i've never seen his name so maybe he got like the the lower end books that they were just kind of churning out like well no he got no he got lots of stuff what was he on was he did he do everything and flash Uh, well no not that but i mean he got especially in marvel he really got a lot of high-end stuff and there were books where you would uh oh god we don't want to turn this into the dumping on vince coletta podcast but like teaching me it's okay but okay 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 i'll give you two high ticket examples okay the Dazzler graphic novel from the mid from the mid eighties. That's inked by Vince Coletta. Uh, and you're like a graphic novel, you know, when you, it's a graphic novel, you're kind of expecting like the finest art Marvel mm-hmm. has to offer. And they handed mm-hmm. it to Vince Coletta. And then on the DC side, uh, we covered this on, on the show, not that long ago, treasury cast. We did the Superman and the Legion of superheroes treasury, the oh, yeah. all, the all original story where they go back in time to fight the time trapper and it's beautifully penciled by Mike Grell, and it's inked by Vince Coletta. Uh-huh. And you're and just Grell like, is oh, so good. Yeah, I mean, and you're right. And you're like, yeah. ah, you know, it's that kind of stuff. 
And if you really want to, I like Ramona Frey inking herself. She inked herself on all Aquaman stuff in the fifties. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to see, to me, Ramona at her best in terms of a, a combination, r- look at any of like the first two years of Super Friends where she's inked by Bob Smith. Mm. Uh, to me, he is her best inker. He manages to kind of rein in just ever so slightly her her, her cartoony mm. looseness mm-hmm. and gives it a real solidity. And and you see it on the covers because he's still on the covers. But to me, he and her were like an absolute dynamite combination. And mm. it's a real shame that he got taken off the book for whatever reason and they handed it over to Vince well, It's interesting because she sort of draws here at least like this could be a a marvel book in 1979 or like it sure. it looks sort of like marvel house style yeah like um on my other podcast we're covering uh i'll tell, talk about it later but we're, we're covering some captain america issues from the 1980s and um it looks very similar the you know the marvel house style that you're used to seeing is like oh this is a marvel book like this could almost fit right into that um except she does we spent some time talking about how much Vince Scaletta sucks. Well, let's talk. Uh, if I could have a minute to now talk about her, sure. um, you know, she does this thing that I really like where she could just draw all of them in the same exact style, kind of like how they are on the cartoon, except they're drawn where they look like the cartoon and that they're familiar, but each of the, the heroes kind of is, has a different style. Like the way, if you look on that first splash page, the way she draws Batman and even um, subsequently, he, it kind of looks like Carmine Infantino. Um, hmm. Like I, I think it just the sort of broad face and, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I it just, it's just sort of the vibe I was getting. And then the close-ups, like Superman on, on page um, three, like that's, that's pretty highly detailed. I mean, I wouldn't confuse it for Kurt Swan, but someone who is reads only Superman comics and sees this might think it's the same. So I just, I want to say, I really appreciated um, the, the way and Robin uh, right before he gets licked, looks like Carmine Infantino too. Um, (laughs) It's, I just appreciate the um, variety and the sort of pulling from different styles. It's not just one thing. So um, she absolutely yeah. brought it in every issue. Every yeah. as a reason why she's one of my still one of my all time favorites. Uh, is, what a is, legend, too, by the way. Yeah. Like Trailblazer. And, yeah. Still and, around today. He's in her 90s. He's 95. Still, yeah. 95. And then amazing. Yeah. Still out yeah. doing it and stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. We just absolutely love, completely love Ramona Fred. So uh, then we get to this Aquaman sequence. And as you point out, he's, he's <laughs> monitoring a boat race. Uh, yeah. It is funny when you think about that. They really could have had him doing anything. Anything. Like he's fighting Ocean Master. And the, the creature appears. And because of the sonic boom, that the the not the sun boom but because of the the shockwave that the alien gives off ocean master gets away you know what i mean something like yeah, that but something I mean, also, what the hell? Race. Yeah. what does he know about boats well like, I, I guess he lived grew up in a lighthouse so. yeah i mean come <laughs> on, he, you know well he's he's making well he's he's making sure nobody drowns because like, it was uh-huh. an accident but right. it is a little like boy they're they, slow day on the seven seas huh? i mean they don't have the coast guard there I, well, they can get Aquaman. He's much more impressive than the, than the, you know. Okay, I understand. 
It is. What is it like sponsored by the Justice League or the Hall <laughs> yeah, of Justice or something? It's on ESPN, the Ocho. That would like, be, <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah. you know what it's like? You know, it's um that famous picture of the uh the ski, the water skiing with all the Justice League. Oh, yes, yes. Water skiing, you know, the super yep. friends water skiing. Yep. It's, it's exactly. That. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. So uh the alien, you know, makes a quick escape and then Aquaman helps rescue all the overturned sail people by getting some dolphins and they're riding on the back and stuff. So okay. I mean, Aquaman is is, is you know, thank saving. God he was there. Thank God he was there. Exactly. See the coast could the Coast Guard do that? Could they help they could not have. get they dolphins could not have called to ride dolphins. on Henry? No. no. So okay. Um so then the same thing again happens with Superman. Uh Superman is uh helping work out build a uh build a, a dam in the river, which again, I like I I, I like in this instance, it's kind of similar to the Aquaman thing in that Superman could be fighting a villain, but he's not. He's doing kind of yeah. like a, a thing to help out the, you know, That's, the, the normal different. people. This is yeah. different. It feels different because because a boat race seems so frivolous. But here, <laughs> like, he literally built a dam in Superman the movie, like, and, right. and, like nearing right. the climax of the movie. Like, this is a soup. When he does super feats to help people, that is a useful that is useful use of his time. <laughs> but, you know, if he but if he was judging the a triathlon or something that would be a waste of his time <laughs> all right fair enough uh i will say this got the strangest this page is the strangest inset panel <laughs> where he starts flying uh to rescue some of the 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 uh the construction guys that have been knocked over by this again the alien causing this giant wave and the panel the inset panel, which Superman's like, but too soon. I've got to save those men from the, from the, uh, from being crushed down below, uh, below the logs. And the border of the panel is very thick and it's colored orange. Yeah. So it and looks, his panel is yellow inside. and his panel is yellow. It looks yeah. like a badge or like a, like a, um, a patch, a, badge. a patch. It looks yeah. like a Superman patch or something. It's a very, very that would be a choice. sick patch. I kind of want to make that on like Etsy or something as a patch. Go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very, it's just, it's so strange to not make it a white yeah. border. Uh, so it just feels like, what? okay, but all right, that's fine. Same color scheme as the, the lettering that we talked about earlier on the, that's right. the first yes. page. So yep. maybe that's a, th- maybe there's something that the colorist is doing. Maybe it's an inside joke about, okay. you know, oh, orange yeah. yellow that we don't know about. <laughs> Um, so then the Wonder Twins show up and uh, Superman, of course, has formulates this plan. Jaina turns into a, a similar creature and uh, they actually talk to one another where she says, feet weak. And the <laughs> alien actually talks human and he says, or talks to English. He says, you're feet weak to you too. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm getting it back. No, it's, they, it's they, reversed. Jane is, the one, yeah, Jane is the one saying, yeah. <laughs> um, and then they, so they fly, he flies them both back and in the final panel, he puts the alien in this cage, but it's made of mirrors. So the I alien is, and it's, you know, it's meant to be charming. And for a 1980 comic book meant for small children, it is when you read it as an adult, you go, Oh, this is kind of like existentialist horror. Really? It uh, really is. Like, could you imagine like your idea of leaving your dog at home was putting it in a small room, a closet, with mirrors. Oh, it'll be okay. It'll think it's playing with another dog. Like it's that's terribly just terribly that's sad. mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's just one of those things where you have to just put your mind back and say, if I read this when I was 10, right. I would have been fine with it. Right. I read it now and I go, Oh yeah. All right. Okay. Well, maybe they should have 
come up with something else Very to wrap silly. up this story. I mean, especially since he wrote both features, he could have made this one a 10 pager and given the Wonder Twins one less page. Who would have minded that? And given the story I mean, a little more room to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> but did they you know, always do the letters in the middle? Uh, no. Um, so, well, the, the Wonder Twins only got backup features every so often. Ah. So generally these stories were 17, 18 pages and then the letters page would be at the end. Uh-huh. Uh, but here, the Wonder Twins, after actually pretty soon, they'll be doing backup features a little more regularly between Wonder Woman, the Wonder Twins will swap with other characters. Uh, Jack O'Lantern from the Global Guardians, Seraph from the Global Guardians, uh, and other characters will, and Plastic Man gets a backup feature at one point. Oh. So, uh, but yeah, but this, so this is where they're going to start appearing more often. It's a, super, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool letter page. I mean, I, first of all, how awesome is it that E. Nelson Bridwell took the time to respond to everyone on yep. the page? Like, mm-hmm. usually the editor does that. That's so, although it'd be pretty sweet if Julia Schwartz <laughs> responded to a letter too. But um, I just think that's really nice. And I like that ad for the all new Titans, but it's still 1980. So it's not. Not the, the new Teen Titans. Yeah. Not the new Teen Titans with Wolfman and Paris. It's. It's still pre that, <laughs> so. which I'm trying to. I get, but that's the funny thing is that that version of the Titans, the one by Bob Rosacca, that was already canceled. So, so what? So what is? I guess this, this is the new Teen Titans. They just hadn't quite figured out the name of it yet. Maybe. I mean, when did Wolfman and Perez start that? Eighty one, I think, oh, is when New okay. Teen Titans. So this is pretty close to that. Wow, so, so it was going on for almost almost a full five years, four years before Crisis. Wow. Yeah. Yep. 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 So yeah, this wow. this has got to be an ad for that book, but they just didn't quite know they were calling it the New Teen Titans yet, and they obviously didn't have George Perez artwork ready because the heads are, I think, Vince Galetta heads. <laughs> and they also don't didn't know how to color Wally West. Yeah, he's also yeah he's also <laughs> his blonde. mask and head are and yeah. the hair is reversed. They're, they're reversed. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, kids, uh, trust us, it'll be great. Uh, which of course it was. <laughs> it was. Um, yeah. So so now we get to the uh, backup feature, and this is a Wonder Twins solo story, and it's called The Boss and the Beast. It is by Enelson Bridwell, Ramona Fraden, and Vince Coletta. So uh, after the Wonder Twins get a tour of Superman Zoo, that's kind of a nice tie-in to the end of the mm-hmm. last story, they assume their civilian guys is John and Joanna Fleming, and they go to school. They overhear one of their teachers talking to her husband in another room. The husband is telling his wife that he's been offered a much-needed job, but she is bothered that it's with a known criminal. Zan and Jaina watch the man leave, determined to help. Using Batman's computer, Jaina gets info on the man named Ants Lion. And that there is evidence of his wrong of his wrongdoing inside his safe. The Wonder Twins transform into a hawk and an ice cube and make their way across town. Transforming once again into an ant and some vapor, they eavesdrop on Lion, who helpfully explains to his underlings that since the DA has been sniffing around his business, he is hiring the teacher's husband to be the fall guy. The Wonder Twins transform yet again, with Jaina now a Kryptonian creature that looks a lot like an Earth hippo. She chomps the goon's guns to pieces and then takes a chunk out of the safe. She finds the incriminating documents, and then Zan turns into a tornado, blowing the papers out a window into the hands of some, some police who have just arrived. The teacher's husband arrives just as Lion is being carted off to jail, thankful for the timing, but he still doesn't have a job. But once uh, he gets home, he's delighted to learn that Wayne Enterprises has called and has offered him a position. Days later, Batman thanks the twins for their recommendation. The twins remark that it worked out well for them, too, since now their teacher is always in a good mood. 
So, okay. Uh, what did you think of this, <laughs> this five pager, Henry? Well, I got to see Superman's yellow S on his cape. Okay. <laughs> the wave of the century. I, this was stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was, I read it and I didn't, I didn't hate it. It didn't make me mad, but first of all, I just, I don't get, and maybe it's because I wasn't a little kid when super friends was on, but I don't get the super friends to me. Sorry. The wonder twins to me. Mm -hmm. And what I don't get is, so you're telling me someone, let's say someone presented me the super friends when I was, you know, seven years old, I would say, so where's green lantern? Where's flash? Where's, uh, Hawkman. Martian Manhunter. Where's right. Hawkman? Where's Green Arrow? Where's Black Canary? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, you're telling me that these two stupid twins with really <laughs> dumb powers are instead of not even all of the Magnificent Seven? Like, they just they, so anytime I see them, they enrage me. Now, having said that, I love <laughs> I love them in I love that series that we talked about in a second because that was the purpose of it. It was sort of tongue in cheek, and it was um, it, it had them doing something. It wasn't instead; it was its own thing. So I just feel like so I was going to read a Super Friends comic for tw- I, what I thought was about twenty two uh, twenty two pages, and it's mostly them and a hippo, and so I was just. That part of it was just kind of like, okay, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm here for it, but I don't like these characters. I think they're stupid. <laughs> was I the have period gone- of time in the Super Friends where there was like a two kids and a dog. Wasn't that another? That's thing? Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. They okay. are the they they took the Wonder Twins took over for them in issue seven of the series as the the trainees. Uh-huh. Uh, and I have gone on record saying that I prefer those characters to the Wonder Twins. Because I don't know, I just think they're more charming that they were not powered, right? As opposed they're to kids. the Wonder Twins, yeah. It's like the Scooby. Um, they're supposed to be like the Scooby Gang, basically. Of, right? Yes, yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. That's better. I never understood their powers. Like, do they have to do them together in order to yes, do them? And do. one, yes, okay. And one is animal, and one is elements. Any, any well, anything with water related. Any, oh, water. anything, but anything. Why? Why just water? Like, it's so. <laughs> it was so funny again like kind of like the thing with the zoo you read something as a kid and you just go oh that's fine and then you get to be an adult and you're like wait and so it's like when they when they realize like okay through the bat computer they learn there's some incriminating evidence in the guy's safe and the wonder twins are like okay we'll just break into his place and get it i'm like oh that's so legal you know? <laughs> <laughs> like you know but but as a kid you're just like oh well we know he's a crook because he's a crook we've seen the we've seen him talking to his goons and we know he's a crook and so therefore it's okay just ends justifies the means and it's again it's a kid's comic from 1980 you can't judge it on that level but that just jumped out of me of like the wonder twins just are like oh we'll we'll just go get the evidence we'll just break into a safe and get it you're like okay (laughs) you know it's not really i mean i guess they're kids like they're you know that i love by the way i love that that superman has another last surviving species of Krypton. Like, so, so far we've got humanoids with, with, uh, Superman, Kara, uh, General Zod, the other Phantoms of Villains. We've got a dog, a monkey, a horse, a cat. And now we've got this hippo that eats metal. 
Yeah. So, so it sounds like actually Krypton did okay when it exploded. Like a, lot a lot of stuff of- <laughs> made it off Krypton, as we've seen. A lot of stuff. Plus, apparently, forty million metric tons of kryptonite got right. off as well. <laughs> right. So, uh, but but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's this is the kind of story that you would have seen uh, on the cartoon when the Wonder Tw- during the iteration of the show where the Wonder Twins got their own story. Mm. This would have been the kind of thing you would have seen because this is what they always dealt with. They never dealt with superpowered villains. It was always crooks or just a misunderstanding or kids being stupid or whatever. They never dealt with anything really that terribly. They serious. never went up against like the Legion of Doom. Or no, anything no, like no, 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 no. So okay. it was always this kind of thing. It's got a little more soap opera than probably those segments would have had. But it's just that general idea that the Wonder Twins get involved and they kind of handle it all on their own. Uh, and again, it's, you know, it's fine. Uh, well, speaking you know, of soap opera, page two looks like a Brenda Starr comic. And there's no hero looking people on it. It right. looks like it looks like a, a soap opera. Like, a, mm-hmm. well, like I said, one of these comics my mom, my mom would have read. But wh- who is having personal... <laughs> I, I work in a school. I was a teacher for six years. I work in administration now. I, I've never brought my spouse who doesn't work there into the teacher <laughs> workroom to discuss our like her job employment what like, what what school is this <laughs> and they leave the door open so the wonder twins can overhear it you know They're like yeah, yeah. Also, lamest disguise ever for the Wonder Twins. Like, oh, their wig? You don't like their wigs? Their Scandinavian wigs? No, I don't. Like, okay. she, yeah, she looks like uh, she looks like they look like she looks like one of the Bradys. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I these Wonder Twin stories always kind of leave me a little like, oh, all right. And, and by the way, I called it a five pager. It's not actually eight pages. Yeah, which might even be a little too much. Uh, again. When you're considering how much the, the the other super friend story probably could have used another page or two to to you know to to breathe a little, this probably right. could have been shortened a little. And of course, uh, I, you know, I love the the Dewey Sasmashina at the end of well, he just got a job from Wayne Enterprises. Yeah, like right. he just oh. hires everybody to yeah. solve everybody's problems, which is great because I like you know I like that Bruce is so benevolent. I like when he's when he when that there's that version of Brett. Like he doesn't know this guy. Did he look at a resume? Did he have an interview? Don't worry. He got a job Wait, interview over the phone, not even meeting the guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. Predate Zoom. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, and I like that Batman's like patting, basically patting them on the head, like, thanks for suggesting that I, uh, Bruce Wayne, Batman doesn't do that. Batman doesn't flub his secret identity. <laughs> okay. Well, they know, they know his secret identity at this point. Oh, then why did he say, thanks for suggesting that I, uh, Bruce Wayne, hire Chris Paris? Like, why? I guess he's just saying it as, in the way of, uh, as Bruce Wayne, I hired this guy, you know? But, uh, but yeah, no, they know he's Bruce Wayne by this point. Okay, okay, so good. They've established that. So uh, That's also ridiculous that they know well, <laughs> that he's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> I, I, think I, figure, I think I know the answer, uh, Henry, when I ever ask you, are you going to be inclined to ever read another issue of Super Friends? Because I feel like maybe... I gave you one that was maybe not the best example in the world to someone who's never read the book before. Oh, the answer is yes. The answer is always yes. When you asked me to, when you, I am called upon by Rob Kelly, I answer no matter what. 
So when the bat signal goes off in the in the shape of Rob Kelly Creative, I I I, I run in the fire and water. Uh, I have a fire and water alert on my uh, you know, kind of like in Batman Returns, you know, when the, when the signal goes off and then they shine the signal into yeah, <laughs> the Michael Keaton thing, right? Yeah, like Keaton stare, goes right into his living room. That yep. that's me with Fire and Water Network. So well, thank you. You, you, very much. you name the issue, I'll read a whole. 19 pages of wonder twins if we all right i that. well okay if if <laughs> with the show this show has basically uh another year left to it because the show the final issue as i mentioned in the top of every episode is number 47 we're at 34 so we've got 13 left uh maybe if it said maybe henry will come back i will give you one that is superman centric great so at least <laughs> you can you know get more of your 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 particular fandom out and and that uh, superman gets more to do <laughs> now I do like to ask uh, with every story, who would you nominate as I say, best friend, as in what hero you think came off the best in this story? At least mm. the first story, not the second story, because we know it's a water twin soul story. But in the first story, which of the five, I think we know the answer to this, but which five, which of the five would you give it to? Or seven, really, would you give it to? Uh, yeah, obviously, I want to say Superman, but yeah, I think it's, I mean, Superman just kind of, He's kind of driving the story. Yeah, uh, it's Superman. It's totally yeah. Is. yeah. We're not. It, we don't have to be cunning. It's okay. Superman. He it's really Superman. drives the story. He does everything yeah. virtually. He, yeah, so, I mean, he yeah. really. The first page he's not on is six. Like he's. Yeah. He he is the bulk of the story, and the thing wouldn't even be there if it weren't for him because he went off and you know caught that. Yep. Ribbed dildo in the sky, you know. <laughs> it is a very curious uh, spatial design. Uh, yes. This thing. But yeah, totally. Yeah, he dominates the story. He he comes up with the solution. And, uh, you know, and again, I would love to know, uh, you know, if some writer ever brought this creature back in like, a <laughs> panel somewhere, Grant Morrison stuck him in All-Star Superman or something like that. Uh, I have no idea, but it could be because, I mean, presumably the creature's just in the fortress, just living there the rest of its life. Yeah. Uh, and know? it's not a, it's not a bad, actually, the idea of this creature is not, it's not a bad one. It's actually kind of interesting. You know, like they say it right there is it animal, vegetable, or miner- mineral, uh, mineral. And Aquaman says, looks like all three. That's actually an interesting concept to think about an alien species. You know, it's sort of like on Star Trek, you know, uh, which, uh, when they're really lazy and it's like, okay, which forehead prosthetic did they put on this humanoid creature? Right. It's nice that this is actually something that's weird. Like, how does it get around mm-hmm. that? Oh, it teleports. That's, it has some cool features and and looks interesting. Um, so kudos to, uh, I assume uh, Ramona Freyden uh, designed it. I but, assume so. Yes. You know, I it's, so. uh, I, I like that. I don't know how much, um, I think I read an interview once with her where she said she didn't like um, working. She found it very difficult. The couple issues she did at Marvel because hmm. she didn't like getting the just ideas. And oh, she didn't to, like, like Marvel style. Okay. She didn't like the Marvel style of, of writing and drawing collaboration. She liked DC. And so I imagine, so maybe E. Nelson Bridwell designed this guy and this, this character, this creature and wrote it out exactly how it should be designed. I don't know. All I'm saying is that kudos to both of them for some sort of creative endeavor to make an alien that looks an alien species that looks different than what we've seen before. Absolutely. That's absolutely <laughs> true. So, well, uh, Henry, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it again. I know this might not have been the most fun 18 pages you've ever read in your life, but nevertheless, I, uh, I appreciate you, uh, as you say, answering the call of the hall of justice. 
Well, I appreciate you having me, of course, and I'll always answer the call. And, um, you know, if, if I didn't totally blow my chance of, of coming back, you know, next time have me on with Chris to talk toys, to, to talk to merch. Uh, and I would love that too. Okay. All right. We'll have to take that. Okay. We'll have to take that into consideration. So, uh, yeah, that'd be kind of fun. We did to have a, um, cause I know, yes, you, you have an amazing toy collection. And not only do you have an amazing collection, they are displayed wonderfully. You, you don't just have a lot of great toys. They are actually given, it's like a little toy museum uh, in the Bernstein cave. So uh, yeah, if yeah, you ever we'll, meet we'll my, my wife, uh, Lizzie, you can tell her that you really appreciate how supportive she is of my adult toy collection. <laughs> she sure is, man. That is, uh, that is some, that is some amazing stuff. So, well, uh, before we sign off, why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? Thank you. Um, I host two podcasts. Uh, one is called funny. They don't look Jewish and it is a, comic book podcast where my co-host Brandon, whose last name is also Bernstein, look for explicitly Jewish content in comic books. Um, The premise being like, there are all these great writers who are Jewish, um, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of actual Jewish content in comic books. Why is that? And so we've, we've done an exhaustive search for it. Um, And uh, you know, we started with The Thing and Kitty Pride, Batwoman, characters like that. Um, and we recently we kind of hit a little bit of a of a slowdown. And I, the reason why I'm telling you this, Rob, is because I'm actually excited to be talking about comic books on a comic podcast instead of on a music podcast. <laughs> but um, we recently discovered a treasure trove of Captain America comics in which in 19 set between 1980 and 1986, he had a whole cast of Jewish friends, including his Jewish girlfriend, Bernie Rosenthal. So it sounds like you know about Bernie. I actually didn't. I'm a DC guy. Um, And so we've like sort of been, we're like a Phoenix reborn. We're just absolutely over the moon excited about this. And it deals a lot with the question of, did Captain America, who famously fought Nazis, well, did he ever actually liberate any camps, any death oh. camps? And wow. this, uh, our episode answers that question. Um, and we look at some comics that really address that and sort of um, rewrite some history that wasn't there in the 40s that written by Simon and Kirby. Um, and so we, we take a long time with that. So that is all to say, you can find us at Jewish Comics Pod on Twitter or just search on Google Jewish comics pod and we'll come up search captain America and his amazing Jewish friends for our latest episode that just dropped two days ago. And um, I also host a podcast with uh, my friend, professor Sam Brody uh, about the Superman and Lois TV show. And it's called Superman and Lois and pals. So as the show is on hiatus, as are we, when it returns, I think this winter, so shall we. And that's where you can find me. And if you want to talk other comics and Bob Dylan and star Trek, uh, I'm on Twitter at Gonzo3249. There you go. Well, just to piggyback off what you were talking about, um, we covered two different issues of that era of Captain America over on Mountain Comics. Really? Yeah, I love that era of Captain America. I did number, uh, we covered number 275, and my guest was Sean Ross, uh, where he literally, where there's like, there's a whole thing involving like a Nazi rally yeah. that yeah, Captain yeah. America stopped. So we could do that one. And then earlier than that, we covered issue number 263 with J.M. Demetrius, yep. who was writing oh. the book at that time. So, um, so yeah, if you want to go back and check out those two episodes, because we talk about all that stuff. Uh, we, and we cover that stuff because, because Sean is Jewish. 
So we talk about that on that episode as well. He brought his perspective to it. So, uh, yeah, that, that era of Captain America is fantastic. I love those issues. It's incredible. I can't believe I, I never, uh, knew about it. So James yeah. Demetrius and Mike Zek on Captain America is like mm, chef's kiss, man. That oh, I know. Great, the, great the hunter, uh, team. Oh, such good stuff. So, well, again, Henry, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you. You always, always have fun talking to you. So, hey, everybody, I want you to stay tuned. I'm going to run a podcast promo. And when I come back, Chris Franklin will be here. And we're going to do another segment of For All Merch Kind. Stay tuned. To confront the ultimate killers, I must construct the ultimate alias. Hey, who is that lady? I think she could fly. To combat the murderers who destroy my family, crush my own life on their way to consuming everything, I must become a greater, more fearsome destroyer. Ah! Ah, no, no! I killed this lady. To track down the animals who prey on the innocent, I must stalk them first. I am no longer their quarry. I am the Huntress. You can listen to The Huntress Podcast online at thehuntresspodcast.com, at Apple Podcasts. Go to Twitter at Huntress Podcast. And again, this shares a feed with the Batgirl Cassandra Kane Podcast. Cheers. And we're back with another installment of For All Merch Kind. That, of course, means Chris Franklin is here. Hi, Chris. Hey, Rob. How's it going? It's going great. You know how much I love doing these merch segments with you. Now, last month... We did the uh, the Super Friends Power Expander, which helped build your <laughs> muscles. Uh, this time we have something a little more on brand. It's specifically a Super Friends item. It has nothing to do with fitness, but it does, you know, it's it's kind of an activity item a little bit. It is the Super Friends Flashlight. Uh, it's got a beautiful card featuring the classic rainbow logo. It only features four of our Super Friends. Very bitter about that. Uh, but it does feature kind of a gloss on the Alex Toth artwork. You've got Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and, and Robin there on, on top of the classic Super Friends logo. Um, this flashlight, though, is obviously this is a rack toy, right? But this would be considered yeah. a rack toy. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, obviously, this was this like uh, we've talked about in some other items, the uh, the Aquaman, uh, I think, flippers that we talked about many, many years ago <laughs> in the show. This was obviously a flashlight, like, a, you know, a little kind of kid's flashlight, battery powered flashlight that some manufacturer had. And then they got the idea, hey, we can slap a sticker on it. Maybe a Superman sticker, maybe a Batman sticker, maybe a Wonder Woman sticker, and then put put a card on it and resell it. I'm betting that's what happened. And that's what they did here. This particular one is a Batman flashlight featuring a very distinctive piece of Batman artwork. Right, Chris? Yes, it is. It does. It features a famous Batman pose by Neil Adams and Dick Giordano that was lifted from Detective Comics number 404, Ghost of the Killer Skies, written by Denny O'Neill. That is the Enemy Ace story. So, which I think has been covered on this network 75 times, I think. Yes, (laughs) it's got quite a pedigree. Yes, (laughs) only slightly less than the Dr. Fate first issue special. Yeah, (laughs) in Brave and the Bold 182. And Brave and the Bold Bold 182, absolutely. (laughs) Now, now, coloring wise, um, yeah, uh, Batman has lost his glove, apparently. Uh, well, this is tying into the uh, the Scooby Doo uh, Batman and Scooby Doo episode where he lost his 
glove and had a ring on for some insane reason <laughs> in that episode and no chest symbol. I maybe that's what it is. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, of course, you know, you, you might say, well, it's just the color dropped out, right? That happens. But that's not, no, that's not what would happen. If the color dropped out, I don't think his hand would be flesh colored. So somebody specifically colored his hand flesh, which is a yeah. very, very strange choice because does anyone not know that Batman wears gloves? Does anyone He's even got gloves on up above? You yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> which it, the, 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 the there's other merchandise like this that's got the, I mean, it's the animated drawings based on the Toth designs of Wonder Woman, Superman, and Robin, but Batman has been replaced with a Carmine Infantino, Murphy Anderson Batman. Yes, that's right. I misspoke. Yeah, no, that's not the right. That's so not the Super weird. Friends Batman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's baffling. Uh, and then the Batman logo, right? That's like 60s. Yeah, that's the, that's the 60s Batman logo. It's actually the the lettering of Batman going all the way back to the forties, but then they just changed the, the batch shape around it. But yeah, this is the last, the last we saw of this was the, where he's pulling his cape in front of his face that they reused on the Batman family. Logo. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's this very- is uh, this is that, that classic, very, very classic Batman logo with no bat shape around it, which is very unusual for this time. So. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, if you can get past the, the barehanded, although maybe you could argue, you know, he's, 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 uh, he picked up this flashlight with the battery, which is clearly has acid eating its way through it. You'll see it in the, <laughs> the, ga- the gallery post. This, this, uh, this battery has not yet eaten its way through the hard plastic card, uh, but it's on its way. And maybe Batman picked up this flashlight, the battery burned its way through his glove and he took the glove off. And that's, that's what he's doing. I think this is a nuclear powered battery like Aquaman <laughs> keeps in his Justice League communicator in case he gets trapped back in time so he can the send half life a, of these things is forty billion years. If we just have to add nineteen seventy nine to blah 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 or seventy eight or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> great plan, Aquaman. Yeah. Uh, hey, it worked. That's still the worked. Aquaman's greatest moment on the challenge of the Super Friends. <laughs> that is inarguable. Um that said, it's kind of a striking little piece you know like the, 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 the red background the sticker it's a great image if you're going to use a neil adam you, know, you use like a batman stock card neil adams man you can't beat that so like if i was a kid and i wanted a flashlight to maybe read comics under the you know in bed at night or something this is, you could do a lot worse yeah and i mean i'm pretty sure i had a pair of pajamas with the same image on it <laughs> as a kid i mean i think they i think they were yellow and they had, you know, they were like probably not full colored, but, you know, bat, they had the blue and, uh, you know, they probably didn't color in the the gray on his suit. But I mean, if I remember right, I was like real little. I've seen if I can find a picture of that, but I'm pretty sure this image was on those pajamas. It was either this or the lift from uh, the Treasury comic that was also redrawn from the Joker's Five Way Revenge. Uh, oh right yeah 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 oh the beach shot yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, it was one of those it was one of those you know neil adams like to draw batman running at night and you know i don't think he's on a beach here but you know it's we've talked about that neil adams like to draw batman robin running on a beach so (laughs) it's like fire records you know the batman was into you know he he didn't need the power expander because he was out jogging on the beach all the time that's right yeah build your leg muscles that's for sure he never Uh, skipped like that yeah no he does not (laughs) Now, I, I don't think in all the installments we've done in Merch Kind that it exactly tracks all the time, but I think we've basically been able to conclude that when it comes to these rack toys, the the characters they chose to put on the card 
seems to represent that there was a iteration of this item with that character. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that means it's because Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Robin are on this card. That probably means there was a Superman flashlight and a Wonder Woman. Flashlight. I'm sure there was not a Robin flashlight. That seems highly unlikely, but there was very at least Superman and Wonder Woman because they chose to put these four characters on the card when they could have not done that. I'm th- I right. think that's re- it's a safe conclusion to draw. Yeah, I mean, there's I mean, it's possible there was a there's a Robin one because like like I, I mentioned the last time we did. Uh, uh, Power Records. There, there was a Robin ink pen. You know that Robin did have mm-hmm. his own occasional merchandise if they made a Batman one. But yeah, you're you're almost assured there's the big three. You know, yeah. the Trinity. You know, so absolutely, yeah. Back, back before they were called that. Yeah, uh, yeah. That. so yeah. I mean, so they, they must be out there somewhere. So maybe in future merchant installments, we'll we'll talk about those. Because now I'm dying to find out. Well, what's the stock art they used for? Superman and Wonder Woman. Like, what, like, what did yeah. they use there? You know, uh, maybe it's more Neil Adams, you know, the Superman pose of him flying or something like that. But yeah, this Ooh, is, you know, yeah. this is one of those, I- <laughs> this is one of those items that, you know, they put on a, on a little spinner rack somewhere and it would probably cost a dollar 29, a dollar 59. And it's the kind of thing that you buy parents buy for their kid to shut them up for, you know, yep. the car ride home. And it didn't cost much, and it's pretty because the the card is. I mean, if you can get past the dodgy redrawing of the artwork, because and as you mentioned, it's the Batman is not from the logo. I I love that the rainbow design uh, is awesome. It's the reason why I used it for the show logo. It's just yeah. bright and cheery, and so as a piece of merchandising, like the card art, it's it's a pretty handsome item. Yeah, I mean it's it screams super friends like yeah, you know yeah. the NASTA stuff that I like the games and things the magnetic games they don't use the proper logo it's it's more like the lettering from like the world's greatest super friends era and it it it's cool but I mean this just it is the super friends you know yeah you, you get that rainbow logo you get the telescoping uh uh letters and yeah it's it it it's just you can hear the theme just looking at it so yep. yeah, dumb 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 yeah totally so yeah. uh yeah it's, a, it's just a fun little piece uh you know again it's a, we never know there is no database unfortunately of super friends merchandise maybe we'll have to make that one day after the show wraps up we'll go through one to you know, compile yeah. everything into one uh one source but for now at least we've discovered another little fun piece of super friends merchandise so chris Thank you once again for stopping by. You know, it's always fun to have you and I look forward to uh, future merch segments. Oh, me too. And you know, now I've, uh, now I've got to go find this flashlight because I've got a superpowers error, you know, late eighties, probably Batman 89. I think I got a Batman and a Superman like this, pretty much the same flashlight with a, JLGL PBHN sticker on it. So, <laughs> gotcha. Right. Sounds good. Sounds good stuff. So, uh, all right, everybody. Well, uh, stay tuned. I'm going to run some podcast promos. And when I come back, I'm going to do some listener feedback. Cronin takes the ball with a tap of the key. He pops. Jerry! Three points! He's double teamed. He's driving over the top. Slam dunk for Jerry! What moves Cronin steals? They're all over him. He breaks loose. Swish! Jerry! You know, ever since I got this Nerf hoop, I don't mind going to my room to do my homework. Jerry, are you studying? Cronin shoots from court. Yes! Does this kid ever miss? There's only one Nerf.
And it's time for listener feedback. And these are the comments we got from the website, finewaterpodcast.com on the previous episode of Fall Mankind, which was episode 33 with my guest, Delvin Williams. First up is Cellar Dweller, who says, hello, super fans. Rob, welcome to the show, Delvin. Like the two of you, I had no idea about the multiple solitaires out there. So we all learned something that issue. Seeing the birds with kryptonite on their talons was odd to me. Wasn't it just an issue number 31 with Black Orchid that the criminal said she had to buy kryptonite on the black market? How much kryptonite did that market have in stock? LOL. Well, it was nice seeing the spotlight on Jaina, and we weren't sure how much time uh, elapsed since she was captured. She seemed to learn bird speak pretty quickly. Just how does one say, my name is Jaina in bird speak? Great question, seller. We will never know the answer. Uh, Edo Boznar says, well, I, for one, knew what a Cape Buffalo was and would have known back then as well. Besides being a dinosaur kid, I was also a bit of a wildlife nerd and often surprised my teachers in school with my knowledge of obscure animals. So I was always a bit miffed when, immediately after the discussion of said buffalo, Rob referred to it as a moose twice just a little bit later. The young me would have been outraged. Uh, you know, you can go leave a negative review on Apple Podcasts. That's the rage these days. Uh, otherwise, though, a great show as usual. And Delvin was an outstanding guest. I agree. Hopefully, he will need come back for a follow-up appearance. And finally, as was the case when he was first discussed, I feel again the need to come to the defense of Menagerie Man. So ridiculous. It's actually cool costume. Although I I think I like the bare leg look in his first appearance better. Rob McCarthy says, uh, number one. The bad guy, dear Lord, don't make me spell it, in a live-action movie? Simple, just use his real name and a business suit. That's that, that's boring, Rob. Two, uh, there was a lot of kryptonite, but I say only a bit of it was real. You got to remember, pre-crisis, Luthor really wanted to kill Superman and was really smart and probably could make the stuff and sell it. I mean, why get punched by Superman if you don't need to? P.S. I wasn't kidding. I love Scarecrow, in all caps. Uh, yeah, well, I, Rob, I know that you listen to... Uh, uh, Batman Family Reunion on this very network and uh, just last episode, they got all about the Scarecrow. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, your comments on that episode. Chris Franklin, of course, from this network and this very episode says, fun discussion, gents. It's great to hear new readers digging this comic. It just shows solid entertainment, never ages or knows any age boundaries. I had this one as a kid and I really liked it. I knew Hawkman from the Super Friends cartoon and JLA issues I had, but this is probably the first spotlight treatment I ever saw him get. I think I got Big Red and Red Wing, the Falcon's bird, confused at the time. I still kind of do, although the MC's use of the Red Wing name for Sam's drone has kind of taken care of that. I know we've beaten this buffalo to death, but boy, Vince Coletta really does suck the life out of Ramona's pencils, doesn't he? It's such a thin, thin line. Inked by a big pen, maybe? Come on, Vinny. <laughs> Dr. Ant says, another great episode. Love the discussion. Well, I had most of the Super Friends issues. I seem to always miss the Menagerie Man stories. Maybe I should be grateful. And another wonky, but this was another wonky, but fun ride. I mean, how often do you see a superhero fighting a moose? Oh, see, he did it too. Uh, take that, Ado. I thought for sure I knew what the stinger would be. Solitaire by Laura Branigan, her only other hit besides Gloria. Roll on for, for all mankind. Uh, yeah, no, no song clips anymore. Copyright, copyright, copyright. Uh, now, of course, Angie's comment about uh, Laura Branigan started this whole subroutine on the comments about Laura Brannigan's other hits, Sean Myers piped in because he had to mention Kali Minogue because that's just what he does. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to leave all that stuff out in this feedback segment. If you want to uh, read uh, Laura Brannigan's chart history, go to the comments and, and find it there. Captain Entropy says, I'm no ornithologist. I'm surprised. Now, uh, <laughs> now uh, so I'm not sure how much Jaina had to learn. I imagine bird language only consists of things like telling each other where the food is. 
That's kind of like me and Kelly calling out specific threats, asking young lady birds out on dates and telling rival suitors to buzz off again, like me and Kelly. I did see an article that said foxes could understand some of the things crow said or some such, but foxes are pretty smart and they have a lot of time in their hands. So I'm not sure how much that proves one way or the other. A hearty welcome to Delvin. It's always great to hear any long box crusader on fire and water or vice versa. Both did a great job with the material given, and for all man, merch kind was pretty enjoyable for what was basically a reminder to exercise. But I'm still waiting for the return of the Overlord. Dun, dun, dun. I think we all are waiting for that, Captain. Sean Myers, of course, from this very network, says, welcome to the podcast. Delvin, you were great, and I hope that we get to hear from you on here again. I know you guys praise your motor frames art, but I can't believe you didn't point out how phenomenal she is at capturing the likenesses of real people. The menagerie man's accomplice who sneaked into Laswell Cody's mansion looks exactly like Frank Burns. I can't say I noticed that, Sean. I'll have to go back and check. Brett Young says, great show, Robin Delvin. Always nice to hear. Always nice to see Hawkman, especially drawn by Ramona Frayden. You betcha. You could tell by the cover that she really got the Hawk helmet slash mask design. The bold lines on the cover make Hawkman look like his superpowers figure. Then you turn the page and Vince Glitter's inks makes the art look like he uh, knocked it out over his lunch break. Why is this guy on every issue ever? Because he got it done fast. That's basically it, Brett. I had forgotten all about the Menagerie Man. He should definitely be an arch enemy of Bawana Beast. The rivalry could be based on animal powers and Menagerie Man's jealousy that Bawana Beast has the confidence to pull off the leopard skin look without the security tights underneath. More sit-ups, Menagerie Man. You'll get there. Overall, the story was fun. Honest question. Does Jan never melt when in ice form? He was just sitting in the case for hours. Plus, how was he speaking? I enjoyed the jailbird scene with Jaina and Big Red. They could have based an entire issue on these two getting to know each other in prison. Maybe throw in a scene where Big Red tries to eat 50 eggs. Or Jaina offers you the menagerie man's taxes in return for some cold beers for the other birds. Ah, Brett, obviously you are a devotee of prison films. But everything turned out fine in the end, except for the Cape Buffalo, who now has brain damage. Now to play some cards while Hawkman flies off to find his nipples. (laughs) Little Russell Bourbon says... I don't remember this issue fondly. I thought that Menagerie Man was a lame villain, and I wish that Hawk Woman had appeared instead of Hawk Man. Although thinking about it now, I bet E. Nelson wanted to use Hawk Man because the Menagerie Man had fought his pally Adam in his last appearance. Maybe E. Nelson wanted to make Menagerie Man into an Adam Hawkman foe? LOL. Y- you know, you never know. I mean, I like uh, Brett's suggestion that uh, Menagerie Man could be a foe of the Boana Beast. I, 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 I'm honestly even a, a little shocked when I think about it now. That he didn't get worked into Animal Man. That seems like the kind of character that Grant Morrison would excavate and shove in there. Because he would actually be kind of a good foe for Animal Man. And on a separate tangent, if you go back and you look at Mike's Amazing World and you follow um, the Adam book. I think it was Adam or Hawk. It was either Adam or Hawkman. At one point, the 60s series featuring those characters uh, got, got folded into one book. And I believe it was Adam that turned into Adam Hawkman. And it only lasted like six issues. But man, if you look at those covers, they're all by Joe Kubert and they are phenomenal. It was only six issues. So, I mean, there weren't that many to go wrong. But like in terms of a batting average, I'd say that that brief run had 100% great covers. I remember seeing them in old comic buyers guides and uh, overstreet guides. And I'd be like, man, every one of those covers is just killing it. Uh, I don't think I've only read one or two of them, but man, they look so good. I and mean, Joe Cuba was really bringing it for those covers. I, it, obviously, the Adam Hawkman merging as a title didn't last, but uh, it, not for lack of trying. Oof, so sorry about that diversion, everybody. Uh, and then finally, Chuck Dill says, love the episode and I love the comic. Hawkman has always been one of my favorites, second to Aquaman, and I loved seeing him guest star. Menagerie Man was a familiar favorite because I had Super Friends number six, guest starring Adam versus the Menagerie Man when I was a kid. 
Hawkman's pal, Big Red, is actually an established Golden Age character. The bird made regular appearances in Hawkman's strip in Flash comics. First appearance, 1941. So another case of E. Nelson Birdball making a deep pull. First of all, I should have realized that E. Nelson does that. And secondly, uh, that means there's two Big Reds, Earth 1 and Earth 2. So um, <laughs> amazing, E. Nelson Birdball. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for the comments. Big thanks to uh, Henry Bernstein for stopping by, making another appearance on one of my shows. He's on his way to that, Robbie. And, of course, big thanks to Chris Franklin for stopping by for another section of For All Merch Kind. So, again, that is going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, You can follow uh, this show on Twitter at For All Mankind SF. You can find all the back episodes of the show on our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. And finally, if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast. There you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. Big thanks to Chuck Dill, Stanford M. Brown, Gord Tolton, and Davis Gutierrez for the support of the Fire and Water Network. I really appreciate it. So, again, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening to For All Mankind. Join us next episode when we will look at Supervins number 35, Circus of the Superstars. NFW-TV Podcast.